Hey, uh, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to go back in time. Uh, we're going to go back to the last decade to our Optigo 2019 conference, and we're going to play an episode that we recorded there with Brad Andrews from Bridge Investment Group talking about social impact housing. Hello, and welcome to this live edition of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast from the Optigo 2019 Conference. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber. And today we're going to talk about a topic that continues to grow in importance, workforce housing. And we're joined today by a leader in this space, Brad Andrews, founding partner of Bridge Investment Group. Uh, Bridge has demonstrated a lot of innovation, not just in acquiring and operating workforce properties, but specifically in finding ways to preserve their affordability and benefit renters without public subsidy in markets where preservation is needed most. So, Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Um, so before we get into your efforts on workforce housing preservation, can we just start with some background about Bridge Investment Group? Sure. So uh, Bridge has actually uh, been around since the mid-90s. Uh, my partners uh, that are now part of the Bridge Group have been actually involved uh, financing and acquiring multifamily since about 1992. So one of the advantages that we have, since we have worked so closely together, um, we really understand the dynamics uh, of, of, the, of the operating platform. We have a fully integrated uh, property management group, which gives us the ability to really understand how to move the needle. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of our competitors are outsourcing their property management where we've done all the property management since the inception of the company. Uh, and so one of the advantages that Bridge, when we started out doing really syndication capital back in the 90s through the early 2000s, actually Freddie Mac was one of our largest uh, sources of financing as, uh, along with, uh, with Fannie Mae. And then it was during the meltdown uh, in the 2009 era, we really recognized the opportunity to acquire multifamily at deeper discounts. And we, we realized that raising capital through our own network of uh, high net worth friends and family, we needed to advance it. So we then launched our first fund in 2009. And for those who remember that those dark days of 2009, that was a very difficult time to raise capital. Uh, we launched our first fund in uh, 2009 with $125 million. We were literally acquiring uh, multifamily assets that were so distressed that, uh, you know, 40, 50 percent occupant, uh, occupancies that it really tested our skill set of what could we do with these broken assets uh, and of course, back in those times, we were using very unconventional methods to financing, uh, financing our multifamily acquisitions. But what we learned during that time is that it, it's really a fully integrated uh, company that has the best ability to turn assets. Uh, and so rather than outsourcing property management, we did it internally. So that was kind of the foundation of Bridge, and now we're approaching close to $20 billion in assets under management. So a very strong trajectory considering we raised uh, our first fund in 2009 with 125 million and, and now we've raised um, billions and billions of dollars uh, really focused around the multifamily. Mm -hmm. And, and um, 
obviously a really long history and um, you know a, a specialized business model. Um, and also, um, you're in workforce housing, which right. is so important today. It gets so much attention today. What brought you into that workforce component? You were there before most others. Right. Well, I would, I would, we had to admit, it was companies like us that was really wiping out the workforce housing. Uh, the model that makes the most sense was taking assets where you could do a full rehab, raise the rents, and, uh, and we were seeing that when the competition joined our space because we, we were doing value add before the, the term value add was a chic term. And now everyone talks about value add. But back in the late 90s, early 2000s, our focus was to take assets that were mismanaged, poorly financed, and we took our skill set uh, to take a line from you know, the, the great movie Taken, you know, we had a special set of skills. And we saw that those skills were, were utilized in doing the proper amount of rehab, not overspending, but not underspending. And then the market caught fire. And we can blame that on the, the obviously the millennials that shied away from, from uh, single family housing. And that pushed the whole momentum in the, in the multifamily space. But to get back to the, the original question, what we saw was happening was all of our competitors joined Bridge by taking something from that was poorly managed and taking on the rehab all the way to the top and then pushing rents three, four, or five hundred dollars. So basically, what we did is we priced out middle America. Mm -hmm. And and so with with that focus on um, on workforce housing and and trying to sort of combat some of that right. rent growth. How do you how do you do that and how do you ensure preservation? Well, so let me kind of walk you through this. This is uh, interesting. That what we've done is we have a strict mandate that fifty one percent of the residents earn under eighty percent of AMI, and that was the model that we went to Freddie Mac with. That they went to the FHFA, and basically we self restricted our rents. So if you take it, we're you know we're now closer to actually seventy percent. Uh, of AMI. Uh, we target the residents that are not cost burdened, meaning that they spend less than one third of their incomes on rent, uh, social community programming that actually further lowers the cost of living. So what, what Bridge has done is we've implemented a lot of things like Bridge Credit Plus, where now tenants can get their credit scores by paying the rent. We, we were the instigator of that, of that program. We bring in health and wellness on site um, one of the things that we've done that we've been a big focus on is community, you know, improving the community so that we have great security, that we provide a social services program where we have uh, child care. Um, we, we have a very safe place for kids. I mean, if you think about a single parent, the greatest concern to, to a single parent is to be on a community where they know that their children are in a secure, safe environment. So rather than them going off to the playground, we basically have provided all of this, these amenities on site so that the parent knows where their children are. So not only are they getting, you know, they're getting the help with their, their schoolwork and getting healthcare, but they're also having a safe environment to play. And I'm sure that changes the turnover that, that you have at your uh, properties. We stopped the back door. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in, in as much as it seems to be somewhat self-serving, it really is. Because what we've done, if, if, if someone is in a safe environment, they'll pay a little bit more to know that their child is, is mm -hmm. secure. So you've managed to build not just housing, but community. That's right. Um, right. Um, 
So how do you know what's a good fit for a, for a property like this? Well, so what we think for us is that we look at a project that has not been f- fully rehabbed. So that's the first characteristic. We have to find assets where the existing owner has not done a full rehab. They can do a partial rehab, but generally not a full rehab. So our, our uh, thought process, is we will take a project, we'll take 20% of those units, we'll do a full upgrade. Generally, that price is about seven dollars to $8,000 a door. And then we'll increase that rent to $100 to $150. And then we'll do another 20%, which we call a moderate upgrade, which is generally $5,000 in CapEx. And we'll bump those rents to $70. But that, what that does is that subsidizes the remaining 60% that we'll do a light upgrade and ensure the overall property stays affordable. So as you've done this, are there properties and markets that stand out to you? High growth uh, markets, in fact, that's, in fact, most of the markets that we're seeing or you would call high growth. Um, we would love what we call the smile states. Mm-hmm. So warm weather states seem to always uh, do exceptionally well, but we've been involved with, with Chicago, for example. We've done really well on some of the assets in Chicago. Um, but I would look at areas where not necessarily barriers of entry, but like California, we've, we've done really well in California. We love Phoenix, uh, Dallas, uh, Atlanta, Florida. We've done very well in those markets. So over time, uh, I'm curious, you, you have a lot of things in place on the properties, but uh, how do you measure impact? And is that an important part of the model? Uh, yes, we actually do. We, uh, we report a semi-annually to our investors, um, both at the portfolio level as well as for each individual asset. We measure, for example, the credit score enhancement, a bridge credit plus, uh, what percentage of the kids improve their academic credentials over you know, year over year. Um, their after-school programming, as well as the utility cost savings to the residents and overall savings to the environmental from our green program. So we're mm-hmm. trying to go beyond just four walls and a roof, which is generally what our competition has done, mm-hmm. provide just four walls and a roof. We're going way beyond that. We're trying to provide an experience to a tenant where, like you had mentioned before, you know, tenants will not go to the next apartment complex that offers a $100 subsidy or a hundred dollar uh you know discount on the rent they're going to stay with us because we offer so much more than just housing so as you, as you think about your experience and uh and you know what's brought us here to today yeah. are there you know are there differences you see in the future in workforce housing or yeah let me let me address that i mm-hmm. think what's happened now is um there's a couple things a bridge would really like to do first of all we've got our workforce housing fund that Freddie Mac was so uh, so involved with in, in getting us a facility uh, line that allowed us to increase the leverage by us self-mandating our own rents. Um, that allowed us to have a slightly more competitive uh, financing, which actually offset that that gap, if you will, of what we were doing on subsidizing those rents. So that, that was a huge uh, advantage. I think what you're seeing now is that there's a need for new development. You can't, so many of the apartment complexes, because our, our competitors have taken everything that hasn't been rehabbed and they've done the rehab. So if we're not doing it, somebody else is. And so it's now starting to make sense to do development. Uh, Bridge up to this point has never been in ground up construction, but because the market is so frothy that we're seeing that it makes sense. So we're, we just did a, 
uh, broke ground on a 244-unit project in downtown San Francisco. Um, and once again, to, to the credit of Freddie Mac, they did the first non-affordable forward commitment. Um, and that was because it was Freddie Mac, Bridge came together, we saw a need, downtown San Francisco, rents were soaring. So what the last thing you wanna do is take an existing apartment complex and try to make that affordable. How do you do that, right? So you really have to do a ground up. But what we did is we saw the need of building micro units. So micro units uh, is like 350, 400 square foot apartments. Well, there's such a demand for that that if you look at what we're building, we're taking in an environment where the technology is just hot and you're taking individual in, uh, tenants that are say coders and they're making great money, but they don't want all of the amenities that we generally would have, right? What they want is great technology, uh, access to the employment. They don't care about parking. So we kind of designed this apartment complex uh, that will be, you know, micro units, rent will be cheaper, 25% cheaper than the nearest project that they could finance a studio apartment, but it has great technology. Everything is right there. They basically come in with their hoodies and a backpack and it's all ready to go, right? Do you envision you know, more specialization of housing like that over time? I think in, in, the, in the high cost markets, so we're looking at one in San Diego, we, it, it doesn't work in, in suburbs, but it really works in the downtown core. So, uh, and that in, in addition to the whole opportunity zone that, that Bridge is involved with, what you're seeing with Bridge is doing is we're taking advantage of the opportunity zone, tax advantages, we're taking advantage of all of the things that we have learned, what the tenant experience is all about, and we're trying to make it affordable. Uh, so I, I'm sure that you um, are careful about the partners that you get and the partners have interests of their own. Can you tell us a little bit about what they look for? Interesting enough, we, we started our workforce housing fund. It was, a, it was a, the brainchild between Wells Fargo and Bridge where Wells came to us and said, we have, we, we've got to figure out a way to help with the workforce housing and preserve it. And so we were going to launch a fund solely around Wells Fargo because of the CRA credits. Then what we did is we started branching out with other banks and banks have a hard time finding CRA credits. Well, with tax reform, it even got worse for them. So what we did is we started down the road with a CRA focus. Those were our LPs. So we have probably 13, 14 banks that are LPs. And then it caught fire with social impact, looking at this and saying, for the, it is the best risk-adjusted return out there. You're trying to preserve housing. So if you think about it, the perspective, if the market starts to hit a bump in the road, which inevitably it will, what will be the first to be impacted? It'll be luxury housing, followed by the rehab housing where you've raised the rents four or $500. The last thing that will be impacted is our, our model, right? So now social impact is saying, not only are we preserving workforce housing, but uh, it's the best defensive play. So capital is more brisk now than ever before. Mm -hmm. And um, w with the financing, the, it runs out. Uh, so typically a financing term is 10 years. Right. Our fund, thank you. Our, uh -huh. our funds are 10-year funds. So the question is, is, what happens at the end of that 10-year mm -hmm. hold? The, the biggest concern we have is that if we did a, a finite term, 
then all of this massive portfolio that we have restricted rents will now go to the market that will end up taking it and raising the rents. And so we're trying to stop this from happening. So we're, tr we're really focusing on an open-ended fund and converting our LPs that either have a chance of cash out and then we'll replace it with others. But the goal of Bridge is to take this an open-ended fund where it never ends and that it will just preserve that workforce housing stock. That's fantastic. And, and um, you know, really appreciate you, you being here on the, on the podcast with us and walking you through some of the things that you learned. Right. We appreciate the relationship and the partnership with Freddie Mac. It's been tremendous. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.